Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How are you now? How are you right now? Folks, hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and we are here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens taking a little visit over to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. <clears throat> Sorry, I think I'm getting sick again, so I might be losing my voice throughout the course of this podcast, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, are apparently mired in a uh, very tight playoff race. At least, that's what Sportsnet wants you to think. Watching the pregame for this, they kept talking about how the, the Penguins are in this playoff chase and that they need the points for this and that, and I'm like, well, aren't they almost in the same position as the Montreal Canadiens in the standings, just in a different division? And I had to go and double-check that, right? And so before the game, I went and had a look, and turns out, yeah, going into this game, the Penguins were precisely two points ahead of the Montreal Canadiens in the standings. And nobody talks about the Habs as if they're in a playoff race. So why is it such a race for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, part of it is because the Metropolitan Division, uh, their top three teams, like the third place team right now in the Metro is the Flyers, and they only have 56 points. Third place team in the Atlantic Division is the Lightning, and they got 59 points. Um, you know, it's the, the Atlantic Division is considerably stronger, so I guess... You know, being uh, right around where the Habs are in terms of points uh, somehow gets you consideration as being in a playoff race, but I don't know. It kind of felt like they were trying to sell me on something that really doesn't fucking exist right now. But anyways, uh, that wasn't the story of the game. The story of the game right off the jump was Lars Eller playing in his 1,000th game, which just made me feel old. Of course, Lars Eller used to play for the Montreal Canadiens. I saw a lot of those games. You know, he played over 400 games for the Habs and um, uh, was a big fan of his in Montreal. So it's kind of nice to see him get his silver stick, his thousandth game in the NHL. It's a big milestone. Not a lot of players can get there. And uh, he did. And he's got a cup as well. Unfortunate that none of that could come with him in, uh, in Montreal. But I digress. We are here to talk about the game. I'm going to get to the recap and everything that happened in there. But first, it is playoff time and the road to Vegas and the Super Bowl goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. We're going to find that out tomorrow. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. And this game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins started, um, I would say, not bad for the Montreal Canadiens. Not great. Um, but it's kind of they're going back and forth a little bit. And it doesn't take long, though, for the Habs to start looking like they're the ones on their back foot constantly. Jordan Harris takes a tripping penalty near the midway point. They manage to kill it off, but the shots are 12-3 to 3 
according to the shot clock anyways, in favor of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we're talking about 10 minutes into the game. So not going super well in the first half, but they start to get better from there. Gradually throughout that period, they're getting better and better. More production from the defense ends up making the difference for the Habs. Mike Matheson gets the puck up at the point. He looks down at the side of the net and he spots Caden Gooley. Puts a perfect pass across the ice, down the seam, and Caden Gooley gets it, puts it in. One nothing for your Montreal Canadiens. That's your score at the end of 20 minutes. Again, they got a lot better as that period went on, and hopefully they can carry that into the second period. You know, they're going in there with a one-goal lead. But a few minutes into the second, the shots are uh, actually 13-12 to 12 in favor of Pittsburgh. So it seems like um, ever since that power play, they've, they've got what? One shot on goal. They, they were up apparently 12 to 3. I don't know if they took away shots in the intermission. Uh, Justin Blades in the EOTP chat was saying that like he saw 16 on the clock at some point in, at the end of the first period. But shots are at 13 to 12. So the Habs, they, they really crawled their way back into this one. But of course, it's the next shot for the Penguins that ends up hurting you. It's, it's always the next shot that you got to be worried about, not the ones that you've already allowed. And uh, this time it's Mike Matheson. He blocks a shot with his skate, but he kicks it right back into the slot. And guess who's there? Mr. 1000, Lars Eller. Uh, one times it passed Jake Allen, and it's 1-1. Now we're in a game, though, and it looks like two teams that are in roughly the same place in the standings, even though Sportsnet wants to convince you that one of them is in a playoff race and the other one is not. Uh, and uh, they, they look... They look pretty evenly matched, but then Chris Letang takes an interference penalty, and this is a big opportunity for the Habs to pull away, and they do. Uri Slavkovsky gets the puck at the side of the net. He's trying to go across ice uh, to the back door for Cole Caulfield, and Caulfield's right there with a stick on the ice ready for it, but it banks off Adam Graves and into the net. So Slavkovsky gets the goal, and it's 2-1 to one for your Montreal Canadiens. Now, with two minutes and about uh, two minutes and 16 seconds left on the clock, Caden Gooley takes a tripping penalty. And this was the best I've seen the Penguins power play look in a very long time. I've watched a few of their games this season. They're not very good at the power play. I don't know why. Um, but it's been a struggle for them. And they looked very good on this one. But they just couldn't beat Jake Allen. And the Habs go into the third period with a one goal lead. And it's at least it's just a one goal lead, not a two or a three, because we know what happens. They stop playing. So luckily they, they're able to keep playing because it's only a one goal lead, but it's, you know, not fantastic. Like the Penguins are still, you could tell the Habs aren't, there's there's not an urgency for them to do anything offensively. And the result of that, of course, is that uh, somebody like Sidney Crosby is going to eventually go out there and do something. And he does. He gets the puck right around the faceoff dot, a little bit past midway in the period. Does just a ridiculous no look spinning backhand feed right to the back door, and it's Jake Gensel there to put it in. I mean, there's a few things you could say about that goal. One, it's just a ridiculous play by one of the best players to ever lace up a pair of skates in Sidney Crosby. But number two, Jake Gensel, the one who was supposed to be covering him, was Josh Anderson, and Josh Anderson lost his man. And it was a night where Josh Anderson lost his man a lot. Um, I will put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that at the end of the recap. But uh, no matter how you slice it, it ties the game up at two. The Penguins were the more threatening team uh, from there on out. But nobody could score. And uh, so we go to three on three. And in the three on three overtime, man, Uri Slavkovsky had a beautiful individual effort uh, where he kind of cut through everybody and went all the way down to the net and just couldn't get it in. And then the puck ends up going the other way. Marcus Pedersen, he's on a two on one. He keeps and shoots rips it past Jake Allen and the Penguins get a three to two overtime win on home ice. Um, look, 
that wasn't a bad game. There's the uh, you guys have uh, anybody who's been following this podcast you've heard lately. I've I've gotten pretty upset after some of those losses. This isn't one of them. Um, I think they played well. I have no problem with them losing if they actually are competitive with the other team, and that's precisely what they were with the Penguins here. So I'm not going to get angry about them losing. Uh, it's fine for them to lose that game. Now that being said, uh, we the first thing I want to talk about to get it out of the way, the negative thing is Josh Anderson on the top line. It's not an option. It's not a fucking option, and it needs to stop. Um, he looks absolutely brutal out there. <clears throat> and I know some people have already come at me about this. They say, well, they're showcasing him. They want to try to trade him. It's If that's what they're doing, it's having the polar opposite effect. It is shining a bright light on every single weak aspect of his game for all other teams, all other scouts to see anytime they watch the Montreal Canadiens. If he has any trade value remaining, you are squandering whatever is left by putting him on that line and making it so obvious how bad he is right now. It's not an option. It has to stop. I don't give a shit. If you want to put Slavkovsky back there, great. I would love to see that. But you take anybody else from the lineup and put them there and I would rather see it than Josh Anderson he's absolutely brutal in that spot he makes that line worse he makes Suzuki worse he makes Caulfield worse and he makes himself worse on that line the best thing that they can do is put him down on you know the third line hope that against lesser competition he can put up some points and hope that those points are enough for you to convince another team well hey yeah he's on our third line but we did that on purpose because we wanted to get him going offensively and look what it did and then maybe you can get a trade for him because it's it's clearly not an option to have him on the top line anymore. Absolutely brutal. I mean, Jake Gensel is a good player, but you, you can't just lose him like that in the offensive zone. Have him cut to the net and you're standing behind him while he taps one in on the back door. <laughs> like Again, it was a beautiful play by Sidney Crosby. And sometimes you just got to tip your cap to one of the best players to ever do it. But... It doesn't happen if Josh Anderson actually keeps to his man and uh, and is able to lift that stick. That puck just goes right through everybody and goes into the corner, and we go, wow, that was a nice pass attempt by Sidney Crosby instead of going, oh, the game's tied, and now we got to go to overtime, and then we end up losing. So again, not upset about the loss, right? This is a game that it's totally fine for them to lose, and if they want to lose it that way in overtime, that's fine. I, there's nothing particularly offensive about the way that they lost, but... Josh Anderson on the on the top line, there's a lot that's offensive about that, and it has to stop. It is not an option anymore. Please stop it. Um, I'm going to stop talking about that now uh, take my own advice about please stop it because otherwise I'm going to get upset, and we need to move on talk about something positive. So we'll go to your silver lining of the night, which I think anybody who watched that game is not going to be surprised to hear the name that's going to come out of my mouth. It's Yuri Slavkovsky. He was absolutely excellent in that game. Um, the, the one positive thing I guess about Josh Anderson getting put back on the top line is that we've learned that Yuri Slavkovsky can still be a very effective player even when he's not with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield we know how effective he's been on that top line but the question was always well if we take him away from there is he going to maintain any of that effectiveness because the only other time that we saw him really be effective this season was when he was on Kirby Doc's line and that was a very small sample so you start to wonder is he a passenger does he need other players to get himself going well the last couple of games he's been on line with Sean Monahan and Yoel Armia Yoel Armia a guy who's been basically oscillated back and forth from the AHL this season and Sean Monahan, a guy who's probably not going to be with the team very much longer. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Uri Slavkovsky 
is a play driver. He's he's able to elevate other lines. So you're not married to the idea of him playing with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. He doesn't have to be there to be successful. I think he probably should be there because right now I think it's best for the team in, in its current form. But the great news is that you've got data now where you can say, hey, look, the way that this guy is playing, it's elevating other players as well, not just him having success with the two best players on the team. You could actually build a line around him by himself, find some other players that go well with him, and potentially you have a completely different look on the top line. Maybe Joshua Hawaii gets a shot there with uh, Nick and Cole at some point. Who knows who else? Like, they're, 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 It opens up a lot of possibilities when you know that he is capable of driving a line on his own, and that's what he's looking like right now. That near goal in overtime was absolutely beautiful. He was... Uh, on the power play trying to be unselfish and trying to you know throw that puck over to Cole Caulfield but it ends up in the net anyways sometimes when you're making good plays the puck just ends up in the net for you and that was one of them he almost had another goal in the third period as well Um, just an absolutely beautiful game from him and um, I, I don't have any other words on it really it's just it's just so comforting to know that he can have success away from the two best players on the team uh, so they don't need to do that but I still think they should probably go back to it sooner than later because I'd rather be seeing that at the moment. Um, look, outside of that, what else could I even say about that game? I mean, there's no complaints, but also nobody really jumped off the page in terms of having a fantastic outing. Um, I, I would argue Jake Allen was quite good in that game. I think there's constant trade rumors around him, and I've never been able to pin down what is his value. We know the Leafs allegedly offered a sixth-round pick, uh, and the Habs want more. I don't know what else we can really say. It's at this point, he seems to be too up and down to really get any interest from a team that's pushing for a Stanley Cup. But I guess we'll see. Games like that will go a long way to making him a little bit more viable in a, a trade conversation. Uh, you know, it's always, what have you done for me lately? And <laughs> what he's done for you lately was a pretty solid game against the Penguins. Could not charge a single one of those goals to him in that game so uh you got to give him some credit there uh he did everything he could to give them a chance and get them into that overtime period i also thought sean monahan played pretty well his trade value has been doing nothing but going up for the last couple of weeks he's been playing great hockey he's staying healthy i i I would be shocked if they don't uh, figure out a way to get another first round pick out of him uh before the end of the trade deadline or the end of the trade deadline before the trade deadline in general um i really think that they will and i think it's going to be uh it's going to end up being a master class by Kent Hughes that he already got a first-round pick just to take the guy, and he's going to get another one. So uh, good news on that front. Uh, Yoel Armia played another good game. It's hard to see any trades happening with him because of that contract, but it's also at the same time nice to see him playing good hockey. It's It's been tough. He's not had a good go with the Habs uh, in the last year and a half, and lately he's been playing quite good. Um, you know, I've... I was I was one of the first people to start yelling about sending him down to Laval in the first place, but now like I, I mean as much as I would like to see some younger players come up and play some minutes, uh, I don't think that you really have an argument to send him anywhere because he's he's playing extremely capable NHL quality hockey, and uh, you need that on your team. You, you need that. You don't want to get embarrassed every night, and he's helping that not happen. So uh, kudos to Yoel Armia. Uh, he's kind of making me eat my words a little bit on his play. That's all I really got. On, on that particular game, um, again, really not a bad game, not a great one, not a bad one, uh, nothing to be upset about. Uh, they lost, and uh, losing is fine this season, so 
not a whole lot for us to go over. I guess the last thing that I want to talk about, because I don't know if we're going to do a full uh, absent-minded episode tomorrow or not. We may, we may not. We may have one soon either way, but is the Brennan Gallagher suspension. Um, he did, we talked about this after last game, he had a gutless hit on Adam Pellick. Um, absolutely deserved to be suspended, and they decided to do a phone hearing instead of an in-person hearing. So the maximum he was going to get was five games, and that's precisely what they gave him, was five games. Um, I don't really know how I feel about that. I think five is appropriate. Um, However, with the way that hit went down, the fact that there was no real legitimate hockey purpose to throwing your elbow backwards like that, I, I feel like everybody who's been saying it should be more it should be closer to 10 games they're not wrong they're not wrong it's it's just it's the kind of play that you need to get out of the game you need to send a clear message to players that listen if you do this it's going to hurt your wallet we know what the maximum fine is under the cba it's like five grand which (laughs) that's like finding me 50 bucks i don't give a shit 50 bucks is not going to stop me from like if you tell me something that i feel like doing it's going to cost me 50 bucks to do it i don't i'll give you the 50 bucks all day long i don't give a fuck it's certainly the fact that i might have to pay 50 bucks is not going to stop me from doing it and that's five grand to nhl players they don't care about five grand that's a, a fart in the fucking wind for them and this is why suspensions are a lot more costly because of course that is coming directly out of their salary so if they extended something like that to 10 games, it would send a very clear message to people in the NHL. Listen, you're doing a flyby like that. You better get your shoulder down and try to hit the guy in the chest. Because if you throw your elbow up or back the way that Gallagher did and you catch somebody in the face, it's going to be 10 games every time. But then on the flip side of that coin, what if they gave Gallagher 10 games? The problem with the NHL has never really necessarily been, or at least has never only been, the length of the suspensions that they give. It's been the consistency or complete and utter lack thereof. So if they did give Brennan Gallagher 10 games for that hit, and then somebody else did the exact same hit three games later, and that guy only gets five, all of a sudden we would go, okay, so what? Are the suspensions you know, shortening in length? That doesn't make any sense. I thought the whole point of this deterrent was to make sure people understood, don't do that. It's going to get worse and worse and worse for you. So again to go a big roundabout way to get back to was five games enough or not I think it was appropriate because with a phone hearing it was the most that they could give him so I went all right you gave him the most that you could based on what you chose now it was also up to you to choose the other hearing though and that's where my problem comes in with the NHL in general is that before we can really harp on the amount of games we need to see consistency So the next person who does a hit like that, this is where we could really start to judge if they are starting to become more consistent or not. The next time we see a hit like that, and I hope we don't, honestly, but the next time we see something like that, if it's somebody with no history, like Gallagher, he had no history going into this, then we should see another five-game suspension. If it's someone with history, then we should be starting to talk about eight to ten. Now, if that doesn't happen, believe me, I won't be the only one, but we're going to have an article about that, and we're going to start discussing it. We're going to start taking a look at what the fuck is this league actually doing from a discipline standpoint, because, uh, again, you look at Gallagher, five games, is it enough? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it should have been 10, but really what they need to establish is consistency more than anything. So uh, I'm going to stop talking about that now, too, because now I feel like I'm starting to repeat myself. Uh, look, they got to do without Gallagher for five games, and uh, we'll we'll see how they do. 
that's that's one loss in overtime and um got to keep on keeping on and see what they can do in the future games so what are we running uh, a little over 19 minutes so c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien uh, we are on spotify google play apple i'm on twitter at drake mt drop me a follow i would appreciate that very much thank you as always for listening this episode was brought to you by bet online and of course à la prochaine